Amen. Guys, why don't you grab a Bible? Uh, tonight, uh, we are going to be in the book of Mark. You can head to the book of Mark chapter 14. Mark 14. Um, in many ways, it's a special message, and probably you, maybe some of you would realize that. On Wednesday nights, we've been in the book of Acts, well, like a couple weeks ago, because we've been in Israel. Uh, we just got back, and it just kind of felt weird. I mean, as I was kind of thinking about what tonight would be, uh, you know, we've been... Uh, out of country, and so I haven't been here for the last two Wednesday nights, and then next Wednesday night, next Wednesday night, just a reminder, it is our Seder. It's our Passover Seder uh, that, that we're inviting you to be a part of. If, you ha- if you're planning on coming and you haven't signed up, there is a sign-up sheet on the back counter, help in the midst of that. It's going to be a, a great time of us being able to walk through just the events of Christ in that evening, and so we're looking forward to that. But that kind of, again, made it a weird space. Like, I don't know, like, we're going to you know, go do acts and we'll be out again. So as, as I was thinking through that, really found myself just considering uh, just the, the events that take place in the midst of that. And I found myself drawn to Gethsemane, to, to Jesus on that final night. Now, for a couple of reasons. One of them, uh, very simply, because I was there last week. I was there last week, and honestly, in the midst of it, I just felt like God was speaking to me and I thought, well, you know, there's just something I need to hear. And so maybe tonight's just for me. I mean, it could be entirely so that I'm just going to share some things with you guys. You're going to be like, huh, sounds like he's talking to himself, and I am, you know, so uh, these are things that God is speaking into my life, and if that's helpful, then I want it to be. But at the same moment, because we're heading into this final week of Christ, we're heading into those things, I, I want us to think about this because next Wednesday night, when we take part in the Seder, it's right following that Passover Seder that Jesus departs from the upper room, and he goes up onto the Mount of Olives, and he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's this incredible moment that we're not going to be able to touch on at the end of the Seder next week. So I thought, just again, just feeling the Lord kind of leading that way, that that's what we do tonight. Now, for anybody who has my like weird sense of humor, it's kind of a funny thing in one sense. So Sunday, we did a special message that was a week ahead. I mean, if you guys remember, we talked about, hey, you know, this coming Sunday is going to be Palm Sunday. And so this last Sunday, we did what takes place at the end of the day. And then uh, next, uh, you know, Wednesday night, it's going to be, you know, the Seder. So tonight, we're going to do what's going to take place at the end of the day next Wednesday night. have no idea why that makes any sense to me, but it's just kind of like, that's just funny, Lord, just kind of interesting in the way that that would be there. But that's what we're going to do, uh, wanting just to watch in one sense this incredible moment of prayer in the life of Christ, being both given insight into his life, but hopefully challenging us in it as well. So, Mark 14 is where we are. There's two other passages we'll make reference to, Matthew and Luke, and so if you want to write those down, you can. Uh, Hopefully you have a Bible, you're opening it up, you you can open up one of the ones in front of you, page number on the screen, you can open up a Bible app. Same thing if you're online, if you're in in the overflow, we invite you to open a copy of the Scriptures so that through this, this evening, God would speak to us. So with that as our aim, let's pray for that. I'm going to lead you in prayer, but I'm hoping you're praying that God would speak to us, that he would work in what he has for us here this evening. So let's ask him. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. And Jesus, thank you for you. We gaze into uh, this evening, getting a chance to observe and watch you pray in the midst of of the most significant week in the history of the world. As we head into that week, celebrating and remembering you, God, I want to ask for help right now. I want to ask that you would open up our hearts and minds to to see you. Jesus, that we would be able just to observe and and see just what you've shown us of, of your heart, but knowing that it's not just meant to be observation. Think about how you word it, that you tell us that we're to follow you. Think about how Paul would say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Jesus, you're our example. You're you're our example for life. And tonight as we watch you pray, you're our example to pray. So help us to see it. Help us to be drawn. Help us to be moved. Help us to be strengthened. Take your word and what you have for us, and Lord, would you 
cause us to hear your voice. We ask for it right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Mark 14 is where we are. A moment where Jesus heads into the the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's just begin this evening by reading uh, the whole section that we're going to kind of go through. It's not a long section, but in many ways. Uh, It gives us a a perspective of the things that are taking place. So you have it there in Mark 14, verse 32. It begins this way. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to him, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. And Jesus is arrested there in the Garden of Gethsemane. We watch this incredible moment. We get a chance again to see it. And I take you back to the beginning where it tells us where they came. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. You may recognize in that, sometimes it's called the Garden of Gethsemane. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know how you perceive that in your mind. Uh, This is actually a picture uh, of the Garden of Gethsemane. I recognize, again, our screen is a little washed out right now, and I apologize for that. But right off the bat, I just want you to understand, it's not a rose garden. It's not a flower garden. I mean, sometimes it's how we, we read Garden of Gethsemane and we picture that. No, it's, it's a grove of olive trees. Gethsemane is a place where olive trees were. Gethsemane actually means a place of an olive press. It's a place where, where that would have taken place and, and that perspective is where Jesus is. Now, once more, I'm pretty aware of that because it's one of my favorite spaces in Israel. And once more, I was there last week. We were just there. And uh, this is kind of a picture from us being there. It's kind of us kind of huddled up there on, on the right. And if you can't recognize it, I'll just tell you right now, it was a cold and wet day. <laughs> it was just kind of one of the bummers about it, but it was still a good space where we were pressing through and, and there in the Garden of Gethsemane, kind of going through, you know, just get the rain, getting a chance to be there. We got to stand there and see it. And you can gaze into these trees and some of these trees being hundreds, if not, uh, you know, a thousand years old, you know, looking at these, these old, incredible trees that mark this and imagining in that sense, again, Jesus being there. Jesus being there, being in this space, kind of stepping away from the city, stepping away from where they'd just been in the upper room, going out onto a hillside, uh, you know, kind of covered in olive trees, and they're entering into a moment of prayer. They're entering into this place where he's going to pray, and once more, we get a chance to look at this. We get a chance to think through watching Jesus pray in this. And I want to just again try to encourage you this way. I want you to see it. I want you to see Jesus. I want you to see how amazing he is. I want you to see how glorious he is. And I hope that he communicates things to you this evening in his goodness way beyond what I can. In the midst of it, I want to show you a few things. I want to speak about a few things that we're going to watch Jesus do in this prayer that are meant to be examples for us. But Right off the bat, I'm going to tell you, it's not, I'm not going to say everything that there is to say about this. There's so much. I'm going to give you about eight things tonight that kind of struck me as I watched Jesus pray in this, but I can honestly tell you, I could probably double that 
uh, right now and to think of other things that are there. So yes, we're not covering everything, but there are a few things that I want to draw your attention to that I hope are helpful. Maybe right off the bat is in one sense the priority of prayer this place that Jesus steps into this, and we watch it take place. And again, you see it there um, where it tells us in verse 32, they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Might just be worth noting that Jesus chooses this. This is not a circumstance that's thrust upon him. This is not something that, uh, you know, uh, it's going to happen in a few moments, you know, in, well, in an hour or two when Judas comes with the troops. And, and, and from that moment on, there, there, he is going to be responding, gloriously responding, but, you know, being led and, and, and carried and driven to the point of the cross. But here's a place where he chooses to, where he steps into this place of prayer. And there's a picture here for you and I to understand that really the greatest battle on this day in the life of Christ is right here. The battle is really fought that way. I think about it this way. I think about what it's going to tell us in 2 Corinthians in our study on Sunday mornings. We're going to get there soon, where it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Yeah, we live in these physical bodies, but that's not where we fight. That's not where our battle is. That's, that's not our battle. The, the battle isn't a battle that we fight uh, in flesh and blood. Our battle is a spiritual battle. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to for the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare, Paul tells us, are, are not carnal. They're not the things of the world. They're not the things the world uses uh, to, to live and fight life. No, we have something so much more. Our battle is a spiritual battle. Our battle really is that, and it's the defining battle of our lives. In Ephesians, it tells us this way, that though we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness and heavenly places. It's a mouthful, but again, he just tells us, hey, our battle isn't people. It may seem like that's the defining things of our day. It's not. Our battle really is behind the scenes. There really is a spiritual battle that is determining lives, that is determining things that are happening in our world, that our battle is this. And in so many ways, that's what we're needing to believe. That's what we're needing to hear. Ari Tori once said it so well. He says, you know, we are too busy to pray, and so we are too busy to have power. We're too busy to pray. And so we are too busy to have power. I think as I say some of this this evening, that the danger is for many of you, you understand I'm speaking truth. You actually even agree. But it's a weird thing. Uh, that sometimes actually believing this and doing it can be entirely different things. That even though we know we walk in the flesh and that's not our battle, we still can fight our life and, and live our life primarily uh, in the ways that the world does, which is what? Well, that's things like money, trusting in our, you know, uh, debit card or credit cards, you know, like, hey, that's I, how I can handle it. You know, that's, that's how you handle life. Uh, trusting in our knowledge, you know. I'll Google it, you know. <laughs> I, that's how I figure out everything in my life. I just got to figure it out. That's how I fight life. That's how I fight my, you know, the, the way I, I, I Google or I make plans. None of those things are, are inherently evil, but they are not our power. The most powerful place we have is with our God, that he's invited us to pray and that prayer would, would change and determine and, and, and actually work things that are far beyond what the physical things are. And if we could just believe that in a way that's more than just, hey, answering the questions on a test, but actually work that, boy, that would be, that would be great. See, I, I think about it. I told you that a week ago I was there. So I was there, and some of these thoughts that I'm sharing with you tonight are the things that I was sharing there. Uh, and so kind of just these were some of the stuff that was on my heart, but I can remember just being there. And it was as if, you know, God was just talking to me at that moment. I was trying to say what I just was saying to you. And it just began to just really kind of roll over my soul. See, 
We had an incredible uh, trip to Israel. We really, really did. Thank you guys for praying. I know many of you guys are asking. It was great. But let me also be honest. Man, the spiritual warfare was pretty intense. It was just pretty intense. It was, it was intense before, during, and still after. Uh, for you know, we had people that were sick before. We had people sick during. We had people who are still struggling now. Uh, we had uh, people who we end up having to go to the doctor and, and, and find some that needed to get antibiotics because they weren't doing well. We had one of our people end up in the ER. Uh, you know, first time it had ever happened on one of our trips in the midst of that. Uh, there was a, a sense of, of constant, uh, of just warfare on top of it, we had cold days, which I know it's just a really minor little thing, but I'm just being honest. I mean, I'm just sitting there in Gethsemane, and it just kind of hit me, and I, and I don't know how to say it louder than I'm saying it to you right now or better than I'm saying it right now. I just found myself sitting there thinking, we should have prayed more. <laughs> like, we should have prayed more. Like, like wow, I mean, this is, there's just so much happening here, and it just kind of hit me that I believe it, but I need to believe it more. I need to believe more, you know, because here's the, the thing. Again, just thinking about our, our Israel trip, and I, and I recognize, by the way, I mean, if somebody's going to come up and counsel me afterwards, you can do that, but I could recognize this is, con- you know, it could be condemnation, but it doesn't feel like condemnation. It doesn't feel like the enemy's beating me up. It just kind of feels like the Lord's like, hey, you should become this direction, because again, I'm just thinking, man, boy, we should, we, we should, have, we should have gathered our group who are heading to Israel, and we should have prayed more. We should have, you know, come up on a Wednesday or a Sunday and had you guys lay hands on us before we go. We should have kind of created some prayer chains in the midst of that because there was warfare taking place. And I was just found myself thinking, so what do you really believe that? I mean, if you did, then Gethsemane would look more what you're doing. You would enter into more spaces of prayer. Well, I can't go back, and so I'm not living there. But I am telling you, it's moving me at this moment to kind of challenge me again to say, boy, that's that's where our battle is. And, and, And that's where we are. And I don't know what that's going to look like in your life. I mean, Jesus is doing this alone. This isn't an organized prayer meeting. Uh, and so this might be things that God is seeking to work into your life and mine. To God be the glory, may he do that. But if he does things even in us, I'm just going to be honest. As soon as like Easter is over and we kind of get to kind of challenge the next thing, where you know, there's a few things I know I'm wanting to do. I mean, we have a Sunday night prayer meeting. I'm going to try to be a little bit more regular about encouraging you guys to be there. It's like, hey, we, we should be a praying church. Like, we, we need to pray. Um, we have a prayer chain. That, that some people are, really, are, are, so, are so faithful on it, but not everybody's kind of in there. And so right after the, the, the Easter you know, kind of celebrations, the, the, we're going to work a little bit harder at that, kind of trying to create two or three different ways for you to be able to get involved in that. Because again, here's what I'm convinced that we need to pray more. We need to pray more. Like it, our battle is not with flesh and blood. And, and our, our, the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. They are not money. They are not organization. It's not Google. It's not any of those things that we need more. We, we need more prayer. And, and if Jesus is entering into this moment and he's doing so through prayer, then we need to. And again, I don't want that to be a, like a you know, heavy-handed guilt thing. If it does come across that way, I hope it isn't. But Because it isn't working that way in my heart. In, in my heart, it's like, yeah, like I want to do that. Like, yes, you know, like, you know, I see what Satan's doing. I see that I I want to be one who prays more and prays better, and I'm encouraging, hey, in the midst of that, if anything else lands this evening, may it be that that lands. Well, with that, now let's go into it, because in many ways, that becomes the heart behind everything else we're going to quickly talk about this evening, how Jesus does that, but he does it again because there's an absolute priority of prayer. He, he chooses to do this. It's his, the, the battle he's fighting that takes place into the cross and incredible for us to be able to notice that. Well, with that, then I want you to quickly just notice there is a fellowship in that prayer. So we get it there in verse 32 uh, where they come to Gethsemane and he says to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. And then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. So Jesus takes his disciples. Um, He's with the 11 at this moment. Judas is gone, and so we, we just have the 11 of them to eight of them. He just, they get to the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, I'm gonna go over there and pray. You guys can stay here, and they do. Now, I don't know what those eight guys did, I don't know what they did, but I'm just going to make a very 
simple assumption, and, and it may or may not be accurate. I think they prayed. I, I, I think they're like, he's going to go and pray? We're going to pray? I mean, these are the disciples. These are the ones who have kind of been with him. They probably still struggle with sleep, too, like the other guys did as well. But I'm just going to imagine that, hey, in one sense, you know, just to have someone say, I, I need to pray. I'm going to go over and pray. I'd be like, dude, I'm praying for you. I mean, I just don't think there would be anybody in this room if I did that. If I said, boy, I, I, I just need to go and pray. You know, I just got have gone some stuff. I'm, I'm going to head out here and pray. I think probably almost anybody in this room would say, dude, we're praying for you. <laughs> like, I'll, I'm in. Like, I'll pray for you. You, you go pray, but I'm in. We're, we're there as well. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So these eight, we don't know for certain that they did this, but this would be, well, in my mind, the equivalent of our prayer chain. It's kind of like information. I'm going to go pray, and if you want to do anything with that, go for that. I think that's a good space. But then Jesus does something profound. He takes Peter, James, and John, three of them, and he takes them further in. He takes them further in, and then he does this amazing thing. He lets them know. I mean, he opens up his heart. He tells them, hey, I am so sad right now. I, my, the sorrow that's pressing into my heart, I feel like I'm dying. I mean, it's a sorrow that leads me to death, and I'm inviting you to pray with me. I'm inviting you to pray with me. Can I just encourage you this? You know, people who study sociology and all those kinds of things let us know that even in the midst of this, this is a pretty good pattern that, you know, in our lives, we can have, you know, a great crowd of people we know. We can have a level of people that are kind of like the other eight disciples, that people that we relate to, do life with, uh, connect with, work with, um, and they know much about us. But for most of us, three is about what we can do. There, there, there's about three people that you can let into your life, that you can have who are those who you invite further in. And Jesus does that over and over with Peter, James, and John. It's a pretty good example. And I just want to take a moment to encourage that in your life. Now, maybe you have it. Maybe you have it. And, and I'm just encouraging you something that you don't need that kind of help in. But I also know what Satan does. I know he's an isolator. I know he's one that keeps us that way. And for some of us, it's really easy to never let anybody in. Um, you know, we, we can give the surface prayers like, yeah, hey, you can pray for me. That's good. That's good. But to take somebody a little bit deeper and to let them kind of see what's happening and just say, I am so sad. My heart is crushed right now. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm dying. I mean, to have someone that you can invite into that that, that, that's risky, but it's part of prayer. It's part of what prayer looks like. And if Jesus steps towards it that way, you need it. There's not anybody here this evening that you are made to be, I don't need anybody. I, I mean, I don't need anybody. I mean, yeah, you can pray for me generally, but I'm not, I, I don't need that in my life. Oh, yes, you do. And, and, and I hope for some of you that begins with your spouse. I hope that begins with some others, but I hope you have two or three people that you just say, hey, I, I, I want to fight on my knees with you. I want to invite you to be someone who prays with me and, and knows when I'm struggling. Not that I need a bunch of advice or any of those things. That's not what Jesus was looking for, but I, I have that. So prayer is meant to be that. And I'm just encouraging you, pursue that. Pursue having two or three people that you can just say, let's do life together. And, and, and when I'm struggling, I'm going to invite you in. And when you're struggling, you invite me in. And let's battle. Let's battle on our knees together uh, in a way that's powerful. And it's just, it's just, we see Jesus do that. So the example has to be there for us. Okay, leaving that. We then go back and watch this. So we see Jesus do this. He invites them in to pray. And, and he tells them, hey, you guys, you, he invites them in closer, but they still can't go all the way with him. So he's like, hey, you stay here, you watch, you pray here. Then in verse 35, it says he went a little farther, he fell on the ground, and he prayed that if it was possible, the hour might pass from him. And then he said, Abba, Father. So Jesus is giving us a really good pattern of prayer, and there's a bunch of stuff here that I'm just kind of skimming over, but I just want to point this one out. The kind of prayer he's showing us to pray is a prayer that we embrace God as our Father, a relationship that we have with him. In fact, he uses the word Abba. Now, again, I know, I know this is not going to work for everybody. For a few of you guys who went to Israel with us, you were just there, and it's so much fun. 
it is so much fun to be like walking around and have the kids running around calling out to their dad and they're literally like, Abba, Abba. You know, like literally we're there. Like we were in restaurants and we were in places and, and you have these little kids just crying out to their dad and you just hear them. And I'm just listening to that and it's like, that is what prayer is supposed to look like. Uh, there, there's a personalness to it. When you hear a child crying out to his dad, you know, in, in, in kind of Hebrew, Abba, uh, it is this beautiful picture that would kind of tie into English, maybe dad, daddy, papa, something like that. It, it's a tender, like, hey, father. I mean, you're my father. Yeah, and, and, and there's something about that that invites us to that kind of relationship with God, and that's important. Because we're talking about how powerful prayer is, and it is powerful, but it's, it, it's powerful in the relationship. Uh, so if, if prayer is for you formulaic and dry, and it's just things that you're saying, hey, I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm just telling you there's more for you than you are yet enjoying. If you're not enjoying a space where you get to come to God and embrace Him as your Heavenly Father and say, Abba, like, Father, like I get to have that, then know that there's more there for you and say that's what Jesus is showing us. He's doing that. He's giving us this beautiful picture of what prayer looks like, that we get to embrace God as that. And he does that on this fateful moment. Abba, Father. Verse 36, he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. It's worth just noting that the example he gives us is one that is a worshipful prayer. To make this statement is to recognize God as God, the sovereign, almighty, all-powerful God. That's a good just kind of weight that rolls into what we just said. Yes, he's our father, but he is God. There's like nothing that's too hard for him to do. There is nothing he can't understand. There's not anything that he can't, can't handle, and that's a powerful way to pray to be able to step towards it and say, God, I'm I'm recognizing right now there is nothing too hard for you. There is nothing you can't do. And and, and your God, just to recognize his might and his power is incredible. And he makes a prayer. His prayer is there again in verse 36. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. So Jesus prays here what I'm just going to use the term, taking it from uh, the book of James, which I'll show you a verse there in a moment. It's an effective prayer. And there's probably a dozen of really cool nuggets right in this. Um, it's real. He, he asks. He, he looks on this. And, and, and in his perfection, I mean, in, in who he is, I mean, there is no other way. That's why he came. But we get to see him in this moment and, and in the humanity of it and the honesty of it with God. He's like, God, is there any other way? Is there any other way other than this? If it is, take it away. Because what he's about to do is go to the cross. But then he prays that powerful prayer. Not my will. Yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Such easy words to say. Such really hard words to actually pray. And yet that's really where prayer becomes effective. We think about Jesus when he taught us how to pray, gave us what we know as the Lord's Prayer. It says, you know, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father who art in heaven, what we just talked about, Abba, like God, you're my God. Hallowed be your name. Nothing too hard for you. Like you're God. You're, you're amazing. Praying for his kingdom to come and then praying, God, your will. Be done on earth as it is in heaven. That prayer is that. Prayer is not getting our will done. Prayer is getting His will done. First John told us, now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Prayer is effective and it works, but it never does anything outside of God's will. Prayer never, ever, it's impossible. Like, God, you, you, your prayer doesn't talk God into doing something that he didn't want to do. Prayer isn't giving God advice. Prayer is ultimately seeing his will be done. But understand this, it works. 
James would tell it to us this way. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. And, and so I'm kind of a simple person. I kind of put these two things together. If prayer can never be more than God's will, but there are things we don't have because we don't ask, there are things inside of God's will that aren't going to happen unless we ask. By God's sovereign place, that's how he's worked it. That's how this works. And and so it's not that we're trying to talk God into being or doing something else other than what he's wanting to do, but but we want all that that is. We want all that that is. And it works. Think about how we go on in James and just simply say the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, it avails much. It accomplishes a lot. It really does work. It really does work. It really does work. And, And so Jesus is showing us that here right now that there's this place of coming into this moment that what we're battling for, what we're fighting for, is that. Maybe that just makes perfect sense to you. Maybe, maybe you're just like, Jim, of course, like, this is like basics. Can we go on to something more complicated? Um, but I'm just telling you, that's not always how my prayers come out. I mean, uh, sometimes my prayers uh, come out as if I'm giving God advice, you know, God, I just really think this would be really good for you to do now. Like, I don't know if you've thought about it yet. You know, this would be a really good moment. You know, hey, I want this. And, and, and then, you know, it's not that that's a bad thing. God tells us, hey, cast all that upon him. But I know that what he's really inviting me into a space is to say, God, what I'm wanting is what you want in this moment. I want that, even if it's not what I want. You know, I talked about the, our Israel trip, and I talked about the, you know, some of the, the sicknesses and the rainy days. You know what? That may have been exactly what God wanted. And, and had we prayed better and more, that may have been exactly what we still had. But I have to still believe there's something in those moments that's like, hey, God, why do you have it? Why, what is this? I, I want all that, whatever that is. I mean, I want fully in this moment. I want fully in that space this. And, and there's this place that what Jesus is doing, that's what he's praying for. He's praying for this space where that would be the, the, the reality that comes across, that that would be what it is. And hands down, that is so much what we need. That God is inviting you to see Jesus and to say, if that's what he's praying, that's what I need. And it works. Jesus walks out of this moment, and really, this is the the most strenuous part from his perspective of what he's doing. Everything else gets done to him. This is where he's fighting, and and yet, when he steps out of this moment, there's power, and there's victory in this, and there's incredible work in this, and that's exactly, again, what he's inviting us to. I feel like I want to say that so many ways better than I'm saying it right now. I feel like I want to say it more, but I'll leave it there and just say, God is inviting you to be able to pray as Jesus prayed. Then he just says it again there at the end of verse 36, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. So much needing where we are, so much needing what he's inviting us into seeing and drawing us into that. Well, a couple other quick things as you're noticing that. So that's what he's praying. It's also worth noting that this is persistent, that this is a persistent prayer uh, that he's praying, that this is something that he prays it once, and then I like the way it says it, that he, you know, kind of comes there and, and he tells them, you know, that he, as he's walking through this, he comes to him and says, Simon, are you sleeping? Could not you watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, verse 38. The spirit indeed is willing, the flesh is weak. And then he went away and prayed. And again, it's just worth noting. And he spoke the same words. He spoke the same words. When Jesus taught us to pray uh, in in the Sermon on the Mount, he taught us against just repetitious words. That's the idea that you see, you know, prayer is formulaic. Or that's the kind of idea that you would see it as, you know, saying, you know, 47 Hail Marys or something like that as if it was earning credit. You know, that's never meant to be a part of our prayers. But persistently praying, persistently praying is what he exactly calls us to. And in fact, he would give us parables about this, about the persistent widow. And, and so there's a space at times where he's just inviting us to say, hey, I'm going to grab hold of this and I'm not going to let go of it. 
I'm, I'm going to grab hold of this and I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying till, till God either answers or says no. I mean, there's just something in this that just watching Jesus do this is helpful to me, and I find that good. It's also a very earnest prayer. It's a very earnest prayer. So in Luke's gospel, when, when it, it gives us an account of this moment, Luke adds in this pretty fascinating detail. He says that, speaking of Jesus and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Lots of fascinating things uh, in, in that, you know, the, the, the sweat, uh, like blood, perhaps the real blood, kind of the stress that's in this moment, all fascinating. But what really is the key for us here is watching him pray. And, and, and the more it got there, the, the, the more agony he felt, the, the more kind of pressure was in that moment, he responded by praying harder. He responded by praying, again, it's like the words, more earnestly. More earnestly. I think about the verse we just saw there in James where it says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Do you ever feel like your prayers are just cold? I mean, sometimes like, you know, you, you pray and it's like, well, I prayed. I prayed. But just to know that there's more to it than sometimes just saying the words. You know, because we could say it right now, right? Could we not right now, each one of us just say, Father, your will be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And, 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 and have we prayed what we ought to pray? Yes. But isn't there more? Isn't there a sense of, 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 of just a place where God invites us to pray, you know, deeper and more? I, I, I know there is, and I know in my own life, it's like, I want more of that. I want to be one that, that, that takes hold of him and, and, and just becomes more earnest, not less. Again, I know that's probably not you, uh, you know, in, in the midst of that. I know that in many ways uh, there is that, that, that weight of, of, of watching all of that happen. But sometimes when life gets harder, we pray less. Sometimes when, when, when life gets, you know, just, you know, it's like, you know, we prayed and then we didn't pray, um, then, then all of a sudden we, we, give, we, we, we move less. And, and God is inviting us away from that. He's inviting us into a place that, that we should pray more earnestly. Well, one last one, and we'll kind of end with my little list here, which is, again, not fully encompassing everything that's there. It really is a strengthening prayer. It really is a place where, where that strength does that. See, I, I think about it this way again, and now we, we're watching this here in Mark's gospel, but I want to take you again to Luke's gospel, where he lets us see something. He says, you know, Jesus is praying this, not my will, but yours be done. He says, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. What a fascinating scene. So one of the things that's happening here in Gethsemane is that Jesus is praying and he's going to leave it stronger. Um, he obtained strength here that's going to enable him to face the accusations, the abuse, the cross. And I would put to you again that the battle was won here, that the battle was won here in Gethsemane long before the details play out, that by the time he leaves Gethsemane, the battle's won. It's won. And he leaves here stronger. Now, an angel shows up strengthening him. Crazy cool story. How did that work? How does that even play out? I have no idea. I just know it happens. But understand this Jesus is an example for us. There's so much happening with inside spiritual realms that we have no idea of. It's true negatively. We already just talked about it, right? Where it says, you know, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Like our real battle is, is against Satan, the demonic forces. And that's really what we're standing against. 
But the Bible also tells us that angels are ministering spirits sent to those who inherit salvation. That, you know what, we don't get a glimpse of this, or most of the time we don't, but I would tell you it's still a part of it. That there are things that as we enter into that realm of prayer, that there's supernatural help. Sometimes it's coming because God just speaks it. Sometimes because he works an angel in, into our midst. And, it, and, and there's a powerful space in that. There's a, there's a, there's a space where, where that's something that breathes life into us. I just wonder how much I need to convince you of this. I hope not too much. I hope that you've already figured it out a little bit. I hope in your spiritual life, you've already realized there are moments when, when your prayer life begins to ebb, your spiritual vitality begins to ebb. It's kind of a funny thing to me how quickly that can happen, how quickly that can happen. Uh, we were on uh, vacation, I think back in February, and, and again, I, I, uh, we, we always spend our time with the Lord. I mean, again, just not trying to, you know, pat my back or say anything, but I never miss quiet time. I always have time with the Lord, no matter where I am. I do that on vacation, but you know what? It's just a little bit harder. And I can, I can remember just kind of feeling this, like, man, I miss my time. Like, I, I just miss having dedicated space where it's like my space, uninterrupted time, and I have time to pray. And I could tell you by the time I stepped back from that, I could feel it. It's as if, like, my tank was a little bit low. And it's like, man, how did that even happen so fast? It's like, I mean, we're just talking like a few days. And I'm like, man, I'm tapped out, you know. And yet I, I realized, hey, there's so much more there. And, and yet there is a space of just recognizing there would be so much more. See, I, I sat there in Gethsemane last week, realizing just all the things that had been happening, the, 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 you know, one of the people we had that had, was staying in the hotel because they'd been in the ER the night before, realizing things were happening there, and, and I just felt myself, like, I should be praying more. But I wasn't, I wasn't convinced that that would mean that it would have been better. I, I wasn't convinced, and I'm still not, that that would have meant that it didn't rain or people wouldn't have been sick or we wouldn't have had an ER trip. We might have had all of that. But I found myself thinking, I wish I was stronger right now. I wish I'd prayed more so that there would be an, you know, even more strength in this moment because I realize sometimes that just there's a lack there in me and a need for it. And if Christ could be this one that's facing there and an angel would strengthen him, then how much more us, how much more you and I, if he needed, how much more do you need? I think about that simple song, you know, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to him in prayer. Like we put up with things that God would be like, yeah, it, there could have been a better way to do that. Yeah, you, you chose to handle it in your own strength. Go for it. That's probably going to be, that's not going to go so well for you. But it could have been more. It, it could have been a place of him giving strength, of him doing that. And I'm just telling you, if, if that's how Christ how our Jesus is facing this, then how much more you and I? I think about the passage uh, earlier in the Gospel of Luke when it talks about a place where they, the disciple had seen Jesus pray, and it says it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place that when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, <laughs> teach us to do that. Teach us to pray. Maybe that's where I want to begin to wind up this evening. I don't think I've fully accomplished it. I don't think I've, uh, you know, done, you know, a, a, a perfect job of explaining or even helping us get there, but I'm hoping you've seen it. I'm hoping you've seen Jesus pray in a prayer that is beautiful, that is relational, this Abba Father, this sovereign committing, a place of where he wrestles and, and, and prays and surrenders to God's will and, and finds himself strengthened. I hope you can watch that and then kind of say like the disciples did, that when you watch him praying, you're like, God, teach me to do that. Teach me to be more like Jesus. Teach me to handle things because that, that's, that's the right way to do it. I can give you lots of examples how not to do it. I can give you lots of examples how, you know, we can trust in our own strength or we can depend on our own might and find ourselves so quickly undone. 
But Jesus is inviting us into this space where, where we can have this. So tell you what, let's take just a moment. Let's just take a moment. Before we wind up, before we, we close in worship, it would seem to be almost cra- just weird to talk about pray and not pray. So I just want to give you a moment. I'm going to invite Royce up, and he can come up and maybe just play a, a little bit of instrumental but behind us, kind of like what we do on a Sunday morning, I suppose. But I just want to invite you to pray. And, and maybe, maybe you just kind of work through some of these, or maybe you already know. That's the one. I mean, there's, I watched Jesus do this, and that doesn't, I, I'm not doing so well with that. Maybe you want to ask for him right now. I mean, just right here and right now, let's just take a moment. Would you just quietly take a moment and pray? Asking him to, to meet you, him to, to work in your life, that which he has for you. I'll do the same thing. We'll just take a few moments to do that. Then I'll close this in prayer and we'll close in worship. But again, let's follow Jesus' example. And let's pray right now. Abba, Father, how good it is, how good it is to come to you and and know you as our Father. Jesus, to watch you pray is watching a holy moment. It's beautiful. It's right. It's so incredibly powerful. God, we just come and admit to you right now that so much of how we sometimes walk through these things is so much less. 
doesn't have to be so. Uh, you invite us to follow you. You invite us to be like you. And so I do pray it in just a simple way that the disciples asked. Lord, would you teach us to pray? It's an interesting request. Because it's not just a, a request of methodology. It's not a request of saying, Lord, teach me how to pray. Though that's certainly a part of it. But it's a, it's a prayer for actuality. It's a prayer to actually do it. Lord, teach me to do that. Teach me to pray. Take me further in. Take me further into that space where connecting with you and wrestling and crying out for your will to be done. I find myself wondering at times that simple place you give it in James that we don't have because we don't ask, and I wonder. I wonder how much we don't have. How much we live beneath what you would do in your sovereign, good, perfect will. But we don't obtain it because we don't pray. I think of what you instructed the disciples in the midst of this prayer. The flesh is is willing. I mean, the, the spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. And it's so true. It's so true. Our our, our, our flesh is so weak. But God, teach us to pray. Teach us how. And teach us to do that. Would you make us a praying people? More. Better. Stronger. In you and in just what you have for us. That we would recognize that though we live in these bodies, it's not how we fight our battle. We don't fight with worldly means or methods. We have something so much more. Something that determines and changes things. Teach us to pray. Jesus, thank you that you did. Thank you for your amazing life, perfect sacrifice. Thank you for watching you fight the battle and just victoriously plow through it. You're amazing and glorious, and I thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you are and what you've done. Draw us after you, we pray. I pray. Here tonight, as we just thank you and just want to say, Lord, your will be done in our lives, in our world, even now. We ask for that together. In Jesus' name, amen.